You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. I can't think of a better way to end my second season than interviewing Douglas Lyons. From acting to playwriting to a love of gummy bears, Douglas Lyons is a multi-hyphenate whose new hilarious and heartfelt play, Chicken and Biscuits, will be coming to Broadway this fall from for a limited run from September 23rd through January 2nd. While Douglas has already been seen on Broadway in Beautiful, the Carol King musical, and the Book of Mormon, Chicken and Biscuits will mark Douglas's Broadway debut as a playwright. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Douglas Lyons. Hi, Douglas. How are you? Hi. I'm well. How are you? I'm well. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Yes. We, um... We were lucky enough to do an interview in 2020, though that was a print interview. So that we only did over email. So today, to get to actually talk to you live in person about Chicken and Biscuits again and it moving to Broadway is is just a thrill for me. So um, let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. So X amount of years from now, when someone mentions Douglas Lyons, what do you hope people say or remember about you? that I left a legacy, that I opened doors for young artists, young black artists and queer artists to have a platform and tell stories, um, really that I made an impact in my community. I think more than being famous or seen, for me it's really about leaving um, hope and leaving a path so that kids, specifically kids, um, they sort of speak to my heart, have an image of what's possible. Um, so I hope my name is associated with dreams. I'm a big dreamer. I'm very vocal on the socials. Um, but yeah, that I, I had dreams and they came true and they also opened doors for other people to see their dreams. That's wonderful. Since you are, since you love helping kids so much, who as a kid, who are some of the um, people you looked up to uh, that you were like, I wanna be like them growing up? I don't know that I had a lot of those people, really. I mean, I grew up in the black church, so uh, I would say like Kirk Franklin, honestly, is one of my biggest heroes still. Um, a lot of my musical influence is from the sounds um, of unison and like vocal arrangements that he took. Um, so I, yeah, that was someone I grew up singing their music. And then I think he really had an imprint on how I write music now. Now, did you always know that you wanted to be a playwright and a singer composer, or did you start out really focusing on acting and somewhere along the line, you were like, oh, you know what? I also want to try this. It, it like, I call it destiny. Like I fell into it, I would say. Um, I was backstage at Beautiful and Melvin Tunstall III, who wrote the book for Polka Dots. Um, I told him, I was like, I have this idea. I put it on a shelf for a little bit, but I saw his show bloom and I was like, I think you could write the book for it. And I had just met, uh, Greg Borofsky, um, who's become a good close friend and he was working on his Mandela musical. And I was like, so we're writing a musical everybody. And they're like, are we? And I was like, yes, because I have this idea and y'all are brilliant. So like, let's tell the story. Um, and that was the first sort of twinkle in my eye that 
you know, writing was possible. Um, I had met Ethan on the Book of Mormon tour and I had been gifted a guitar um, by my parents right before I left Mormon Broadway to go on the first national. I still can't play it. But I met Ethan and he was supposed to give me guitar lessons. And after like two, I was like, nah, I don't want to do this. You just play. I'm going to sing. Um, but when it came to writing musicals, I would say Polka Dots was the first where I was like, oh, this could be an actual career. Like I can affect change through my pen um, and empower children and tell magical stories. And I can act. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to try both. Thank God I did. Thank God I did. Uh, yeah. But that was the beginning. Yes. Well, I agree with the thank God you did, because I got to see a, the virtual production of Chicken and Biscuits during the pandemic. And I loved it. And I was so upset that I didn't get to see it at the Queen's Theater initial run. So I was very thankful that you put it online for us during the pandemic, that we got to watch it there. And now everybody is going to continue to get to see it when it comes to Broadway this fall. So what is it like you're going to be making your Broadway debut as a playwright with this show? Uh, how do you feel? Are the feelings similar to when you made your Broadway debut as an actor? No, it's different because, okay, as an actor, I feel like you have a singular mindset. Like, what are my lines? What is my purpose? What is my moment in this like larger whole? As a playwright, I feel like you are the foundation for the larger whole. So I'm more than my own Broadway debut there, I think going to be at least eight or nine acting debuts. And like, you know, Jaden Levingston, the director will be the youngest African-American director in Broadway history. Uh, I'm excited for that because it's not just a play. It feels like it's a movement um, through the space. We are literally coming in and creating our own cookout at Circle in the Square um, with a story that's full of love and laughter and healing. Um, and everybody's black except for one character, the Michael Urie character isn't. Uh, so I, I'm excited. I'm like not nervous. With Mormon, I was definitely nervous. I remember walking on the stage and just being like, wow, this is big and magical. And in this way, I'm not as nervous because we've, you know, had five readings and a production of the play. Um, it has also been my sample in Hollywood. It's gotten me a lot of meetings there. So people like it. And, you know, Broadway is its own politic. But I'm not concerned about that. I'm really concerned about celebrating the moment for all. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And and considering that we're coming out of the pandemic, you're one of seven black playwrights that are going to be on Broadway this season, which is incredible. Um, and like you just mentioned, the director of the show is the youngest black director in Broadway history to direct a show. So um, uh, how does it, you know, you're like creating the change that that we need to see on Broadway. Um, how, you know, how involved were you in sort of helping make that happen? In addition to writing the play, how involved were you like, you know, with the choosing of the director? You know, did, did your involvement change more so than maybe before the pandemic? So to speak to the first point, there will be seven Black Broadway plays. And I actually had a Zoom with Kenan Scott um, the playwright behind Thoughts of a Colored Man right before this. It was the first time we met and I reached out to him on Instagram. I said, hey man, we gotta sit down and just break bread because this is not a competition, it's a community. Um, so I'm actually really excited about all the other pieces and I hope to be there opening night and that we really, again, create community and not just this like, comp you know, competitive, seasonal Broadway, you know, um, 
attitude, but it's really like, no, there's seven awesome plays. They're all slightly different and you can support all of them. Um, when it comes to Jalen, we actually met at a Britain and the Sting concert. Britain Smith uh, started his own band and I was sitting sort of on the edge of a couch arm and Jalen was sitting to my left and I said, hey man, you know, how are you? And I had just started writing Chicken and Biscuits. I write in like 10 pages at a time in little blocks. Uh, I think I was at page 30. And I was like, who are you? What do you do? He's like, you know, I'm an actor, director, writer. Um, he was headed to LA right after the concert, but I sent him the first 30 pages and he responded. He was like, hey, I, I want to talk. And so we spoke and then he was in the room, you know, as I continued writing the play. And our first reading was November of 2018. Um, we had three in 2019 the launch production and then the um, Next Wave Initiative fundraiser reading in like April of this year. This year? Last year. This year. Jeez, you know, in, pa in the pandemic, I don't know what year we are in. I know. Um, but no, but no, he is prolific and smart and trust is the word that I can use when it comes to my collaborators. Like I was doing Five Guys Named Mo at Westchester Broadway Theater as Chicken and Biscuits was rehearsing. And so there was moments where I could not be in the room because of scheduling. And Jalen, we would text, we would call, hey, I have a question, da, da, da. But I felt like I could trust him. He is a man of greatness. And I think the producers, rightfully so, are trusting our instincts on you know creatives and casting. And like I said, there's gonna be debuts and stuff. And so I think this is the new energy of that change we want to see. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna take some risk. Um, but also with that risk, like I always, you know, think of Jonathan Larson and, and how Rent came to be and how it kicked off so many careers. I want to do that consistently in this business. And like, I love Broadway stars, but also in 20 years from now, we're going to need some others. So we should start finding them now. Yes, yes, I agree. I mean, one of the things I loved about the the virtual reading was there were some actors in there that I didn't know. And it was nice to get to learn like their acting style and um, I'm excited because like you mentioned you have Michael Yuri, but you also have one of my all-time favorite Broadway stars Tony nominee Norm Lewis who I am just thrilled that he's gonna be part of the show yeah uh, Norm has been a huge support like vocally um, over the past couple of years and just saying like young black man go forth keep going don't let people get in your ear you're worthy you're talented he's been like a mentor that way and so i'm thrilled we get to collaborate on this piece yes and and you you mentioned also that the producers have been very supportive of you and your choices throughout the whole process from director and casting and how you said you are going to take some risks um did you get any kind of pushback and 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 um what was it like if if there was any kind of pushback what was it like for you to have to you know stand your ground and say no i really think this is the way we should go and and how do you what do you think made them hear that if that was part of the process there wasn't really pushback i will say it's negotiation it is collaborative like they're putting up millions of dollars to put this play up, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't just, <laughs> you know, like choose anybody. But I also think there's trust from them to us that we are aware of the play. We know the world of the play. We know who's going to make it, you know, sparkle and pop. And um, we found some stars. Broadway needs that energy. Broadway needs new. I, 
I mean, grateful to have done two Broadway shows, but like sometimes you go see a show and the chorus is all the same people from last season. And that to me is uninteresting. Um, and I don't feel like the art form is blooming in any way. And so new stories and new actors make Broadway even more appealing. Uh, so I'm hoping we get there as we continue this journey. I know I am ready for new challenge, new talent, uh, for for changes in Broadway, and I'm so excited that you're, you know, your you and your show are are on the forefront of it. I mean, you know, you're one of the the first new shows coming to Broadway in in since the pandemic, since the shutdown. So, I think it's fantastic. Um, now, also with with chicken and biscuits. So, um, is any how do you in general about playwriting so where do you get your ideas from i mean i'm always fascinated by by um playwrights and and authors like did you have all of these characters inside of you i mean is some of it you draw from your own life yeah so every every show has a different inspiration so polka dots was inspired from a felicia rashad interview i found on youtube where she talked about growing up in the jim crow south and tasting from a white only water fountain um and that became the bed that became polka dots this little polka dot girl who's in a school of all squares who tastes the uh, square sprinkler um so that's how that came to be Bo came to be from my buddy Harley J, he was doing a concert down at Rockwood Music Hall. And in his set, he was talking about his grandfather for like five minutes and then he went into a song and I was like, oh my God, that was theatrical and heartwarming and moving. Can I create a world where, you know, the band are also the characters in this guy's life? And it was an experiment and that's how Bo came to be. Um, Chicken and Biscuits was a hybrid of some family knowledge and stories, but then I was in a relationship a couple years ago um, and, I sort of use that and a dynamic I have personally to create a comedic family full of love and, and stupidity. And um, I don't know, black people are some of the funniest people in the world. Okay. My mother is hilarious. So it's rare that we get to see those perspectives on the American stage. It is usually, you know, a slave, an athlete, a rapper and media, you know, at all. It's, there's specific stereotypes that we are boxed into and i think people have become comfortable with that but we actually have a lot of joy too if you let us we actually have joy that you can relate to and so that's why i'm really excited for this moment is the opportunity to spread joy that a white you know jewish mother from jersey and uh an asian aunt from pocan they all can enjoy the show you know um because that's what i think theater should be about is universal storytelling so yeah Yes. Well, I can say from someone who has seen Chicken and Biscuits, it is a very universal show, even though it is specifically written, you know, for for about about a black family. So um, mm -hmm. I, it does have wide appeal. How does your family feel about being loosely part of a show? You know, I mean, your parents seem very supportive of your career from what you mentioned earlier. Um, did they do they ever like try to give suggestions or say, could you not write that part in well it's not uh it's not a like autobiographical piece in any way um so but i always take my ideas to my father first he's the first pitch meeting like polka dots was pitched to him first um and i nibble ideas in their ear so they're always a part of the process because i feel like i'm constantly making them proud 
Um, but no, they're very supportive and and like, what am I following? He was like, that's us. Like, that's that's our dynamic. You know, it's honoring the life and the love that people don't get to see in media because you know media is also political and so they will showcase whatever sells but how can we showcase some truth as well um so no they've been very you know my mother and i saw a production of polka dots at the legacy theater in connecticut for mother's day weekend and i was crying because sometimes i see it you know you don't know the actors at all and you just walk into a theater and they tell the story you're like wow you know i wrote that um, but then she was crying because she's seen like five productions now and she's like you came out of me and you write these things and people just i just don't i can't understand it it's just beautiful uh, so they're very uh connected and supportive um what else uh what else about chicken and biscuits do you want people to know like also how do you want it to fit into not only your legacy as a playwright but uh as the legacy of the return to broadway I think Chicken and Biscuits represents a movement. We are literally a part of a movement. And I want people to come see the show that they don't really know anything about, but be ready to discover stars. To like leave the theater and go, wow, I didn't know her, but who who is she? I have to follow her, right? I want this show to be an anchor of new um, with, you know, uh, some salt and pepper of old in that it's a family and it's on Broadway. And so you're going to feel comfortable in the space, but you're going to leave with a different feeling that you don't often get from the theater. So, yeah, I, I just want people to and to open their eyes and their minds to um, color, not defining experience. That experience can truly be universal if you let it. Um, so it's not a black play, right? It's a play with black people in it that will remind you of your aunt and your grandma and your daughter and your son and you'll laugh and love and go, oh, black people do that too. <laughs> yes, we do. We actually do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I want people to come have a good time, um, especially after the year we've had. My Lord, we need some some laughter and some communion. So yeah. Yes. Well, your show is definitely the show for laughter. I just think I just think everybody's going to have a great time at your show. Oh, thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. You're really welcome. Excited. I'm excited too. Um, let's actually let's take a quick break and when we come back, let's talk about some lessons learned because I know you have a lot of lessons and I can't wait to learn everything more. Learn continue to learn from you is what I'm trying to say. So, don't go well, anywhere. Let's do, let's do it. We'll be right back with Douglas Lyons. Priceline presents, go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. 
However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Hey everyone, my name is Douglas Lyons and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. So in the lessons learned section, uh, my first question is what is one mistake you made early in your career that became a life lesson you take with you to this day? Don't let your emotions dictate your actions. Take a beat, step back, call a friend, call the agent, call the parent, call the best friend, and scream, get your closure, collect yourself, then walk back into the space and deal with whatever it is. Um, Like four years ago, I was very reactionary and it just doesn't help because sometimes that reaction will ruin the greatness that is the collaboration or the moment. It's just not worth it. So um, that's one lesson I've learned is like, even if people are unkind or not treating you well, sometimes you have to go, okay, all right, I'm gonna excuse myself for a moment, regroup and then come back and handle it in a way that's not emotional. Because if everybody's flying off emotionally, nothing gets solved. That is true. That is very true. How do you think, because um, you, you mentioned four years ago, you were very reactionary. So how do you think that particular situation that you were maybe talking about, how do you think that taught you, like what made you in that moment say, I'm going to take a step back, I'm going to take a breath, I'm going to make those phone calls, and then I'm going to come back and talk to the person? Like what made you change the way you were reacting to the situation? My agent, Michael Finkel, who's incredible, said to me, I never want your passion to be able to be used as a sword against you. So keep what makes you hungry, like keep your hustle, but also just protect it so that people cannot use it as a sword. And that was really, I said, oh, okay. Cause I'm very passionate and I care a lot and I press and I demand, right? But some people don't know how to receive that energy. So it's just the balance. It's the balance so that they can't say, well, he was so, blah, 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 right? It's like, no, 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 no. But do you know why that was happening? It's probably because he cared a lot, right? So just to be aware of how that's coming off so that I never get a reputation in this business that's false based on an actual passion and respect of the craft. Well, that is a great lesson to learn. And, and I commend you a lot for learning that. In, in that moment. I learned. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever been fired from a show? And if so, what did that moment teach you? I have never been fired. Uh, I have not. I came close, little known fact, Rent National Tour 2006, 2007. I was um, 19 years old and I took a leave of absence from the Hart School to tour as the swing, the Benny Collins swing on the Rent National Tour. Now. There are other things that were happening on that tour that I will say I was not set up for success, but at one point I had a talking to by the associate director and they were like, we just wanna make sure you're capable of doing this job because what you don't know as a swing and they don't tell you until you're on the job is a lot of it is homework. A lot of it is you being over-prepared and I think I was 19 on the road and I like knew things, but like I needed to know things, right? And so the moment we had that meeting, I went, Okay, got you. And I went away and I learned every crevice of the script and every harmony and every blocking moment. And I became super swing. Like by the end, I'd gone on 53 times. Yes, I counted. Um, 
and I did Collins four, Benny eleven, Mr. Jefferson like twenty something. I had a whole like document, wow. <laughs> but I was nineteen, and you know. But no, I I've never been fired, but I have been reprimanded and talked to, but also in the best way because it pushed me towards greatness. Yes. Now, um, how much in in like an instance on the rent tour? How much notice? How much advance notice do you get that you were going on? Was it like? half hour was it you know you had at least a few days uh sometimes it would be days sometimes it would be an hour before um in the book of mormon on broadway i was a swing as well and that notice came during the show that i was going on um at the top of act two and it was for the um the uh darth vader costume mm-hmm. I had never worn the actual costume. I couldn't really see a thing. I had to step up and go, you're making things up again, Arnold. And I I was like, well, here we are. Like, it is what it is. Uh, I made it through. I almost, like, smacked Maya Wilson in the face. I was in the right, like, area, but I wasn't at the right depth, and I was full out. And she was like, whoa. (laughs) But I, like, I I did it. Like, nobody died. And, um, yeah, swings get the like first place they get the star they are actually the stars of broadway we love our you know our patties and our jessies and our norms but really those swings make the show go on um so shouts out to the swings yes definitely definitely and how long like you said you were you were like super super prepared so like how often would you rehearse your lines and um you know how did you keep all that you know, in your mind. So at Mormon, when I was not on, like the opening, ah, I would sing that in the different, the four different vocal lines. Like every show I would pick a different vocal line. So I was rarely just like sitting backstage doing nothing until I felt like I had gone on for all of them and I knew, like I just knew what I had to do for that specific role. Um, And that was probably like six, seven months in. I was like, okay, I got this. But I would rehearse, um, and there was a monitor, and the dance captains were amazing, and we had understudy rehearsal at least once a week. So, but it became fun once you break it and you know every harmony. Then you're just chilling out, um, you know. But you got to do that work up front, and that can be the tasking part. Yes, yes. And your Darth Vader story reminded me of, um, I used to intern at a radio station in Boston in college and their mascot, it was Mix 98.5 and their mascot was the Mix Moose. And my first time as an intern, you got paid $50 to dress up as the Moose. So of course I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I finished the event (laughs) and I'm walking back. We were at a CVS and I'm walking back to the back room to change. And you know, I had never, it was my first time wearing the costume. It was hard to see. The feet were oversized. I literally tripped over the feet, knocked like half the medicine off the shelves and fell. I was fine, but I feel you when you're like, I couldn't see. I didn't really know. It's it's hard. And those costumes, if you've never worn one, it's hard. Yeah. And you just go, again, trust is the word. You're like, mm-hmm. I have to trust that I know what I'm doing and somebody will guide me. And it was it was a lot of fun actually, because um, you're on adrenaline. Like that's all you have. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, what is something out of the ordinary you learned from either a co-star or a collaborator? So I was doing 
uh, Ragtime. And it was a non-traditional production in that there was no ensemble really. In this production, I was Cole House and then I would be in the ensemble in the next number, which is wild. Um, but Kendra Kassebaum, I think that's her last name, yes. um, played mother. And she would say very, like before we walked out, she would say very kind things. And one thing that I will for, you know, forever remember, she said, bless. Like, you know what? Sometimes you just have to go, bless. <laughs> and like that, just saying bless is like comfort, joy, respect. It's like surrendering, bless. And so sometimes I'm like, don't get, don't get all, you know, like heightened up here, Doug. Just bless, just let it go. Like grace is something I've learned too in this business. It's like, you don't know emotionally or mentally where people are. And sometimes the moment has nothing to do with you. So give them that grace. And then if they act crazy again, then you've got to, the bless is, is a little far removed then. Okay. But, but what is it to give that grace? Mm -hmm. So bless is, is a little small thing that I, I learned from Kendra. Beautiful. Um, what is something you wish you could tell your younger self that would have saved you from a mistake or heartache, either in your life or career? Uh, don't be so afraid to fail. Um, I think in college, so I didn't grow up with a theater background. I got into the theater very late, like 16, 17, right before I went to college. The Heart School was the only program I got into. Um, and I was surrounded by all these thespians who were the stars of their local Les Mis. Um, and I wasn't. And so I was more focused on getting the grade than I was in soaking up the knowledge of you know, theory and ear training. I wanted to get an A, but I wasn't retaining the things that I would need to be a musician later on as much. So that's something I wish I could have told myself is like, even if you get a B or B minus, if you've retained more, it was worth it, you know? Um, so that's, that's a little thing I wish I had. But I learned enough, obviously, to have a decent career. So we're, we're okay. Yes. <laughs> now we're going to get to talk about one of my favorite things about you is your love of gummy bears. Yes. Yes. So uh, I have so many questions for you. Okay. Okay. One is, uh, do you eat gummy bears while you write? Do you, do they help you find inspiration? Is it more of a stress eating that you use them or are they like your snack? Like, Hey, I'm watching a movie. Let's go get some gummy bears. Definitely movies, definitely stress. Um, the 7-Eleven brand of gummy bears will change your life, okay? And they're they're like blue, they're like tropical. It's a, it's a wrap, it's a wrap. It's also for my childhood. So like my parents, I will never forget this for a Valentine's Day, I was coming from the Boys and Girls Club and there was a bear in the back seat and gummy bears. So it's like my love language. Mm -hmm. That's, I just had an epiphany. Gummy bears are my love language. That's, that's what it is. That's why I love them so much. Yeah. Well, so so is it fair to say that anybody listening, if they want to find their way to your heart, it's with a gummy bear? Send it now. <laughs> Send them right now. 7-Eleven, I'm telling you, it's everything. I will. I've never had the 7-Eleven gummy bear, so I will have to try them. Yes. Free plug free plug for them. yes yes and do you have a favorite like my favorite usually gummy candies are like orange sometimes red depending on how it's flavored 
Um, do you have a favorite flavor gummy bear? It's the blue. It's the blue from 7-Eleven. I'm telling you. I, when I meet you in person, I'm going to have to give you some gummy bears from 7-Eleven. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So tasty. All right. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to go to 7-Eleven and get them. Great. Yes. Thank you. Thank Great. you. Um, okay. So we're already at the end of the interview. I always end my interviews um, playing off of the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you were to bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you haven't talked about previously, what would you share with me today? With my gummy bears, I'm probably <laughs> watching T.S. Madison. How about that? Um, she's a trans activist and like celebrity um, social media star. Is like unapologetic in every way. I love that. I'm going to have to check yes. her out. Yes, and um, I and I will buy gummy bears first before I watch her so I can I can really get the full experience of what you get. Yes, if you're doing that at about 12:45 at night, you're in line with me. We are having okay. the same experience most likely. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. I loved talking to you. And I'm very excited for everybody listening to come see Chicken and Biscuits this fall on Broadway. Again, the dates are September 23rd through January 2nd. And you have to get your tickets. You will laugh. You will cry. You will laugh some more. And I cannot wait to continue to see what you do because you're already doing wonderful things. And you're making change. And I know you're just going to continue to do amazing things for not only for yourself, but for the world and and the Broadway community at large. So thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all the for the business of show. Callmeadam.com Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. 